Um, there is a, uh, a view out there in the world that, that God is um, this distant, um, maybe cosmic being that, sure, there is a God out there, but he, he's so far away, he's so um, disconnected to us as humans, um, that maybe he's this ethereal being out there, just this kind of cosmic dust deity type of thing, right? Um, and there's this view out there, and uh, I hope none of you believe that, but there's also this kind of religious view that, that God is still distant and far away and not really connected to us. And so uh, what religion would say is that we have to work our way to this God, right? That there are many religions in the world that are saying, yeah, God is, is real. And by our good works and by the way that we live our life, we will get closer and closer to that God. Um, and so what we have seen in this encounter series that we are in is that that is simply just not true. That God is not this distant, far-off, um, cosmic, ethereal being out in the clouds somewhere. Um, but so far in this series, we have seen God in the flesh encounter humans, right? So we saw that God, through Jesus, encountered the disciples. And what did he say? He said, hey, follow me. And then for the next few years, Jesus lived life with these disciples, these young men that were dirty and gross and dumb, just like a lot of us. And then we see that Jesus encountered a man who was born blind and who was probably um, a social outcast and who was rejected by society that most likely was begging every single day of his life just to survive. And Jesus quite literally got in the dirt and in the mud with this man, right? And so we see that Jesus, uh, God in the person of Jesus, is not distant, but he is with us, that Emmanuel, that God with us, that is the God that we have, and, and he encounters us in our mess right where we are. And so we've seen that in the previous two weeks of this series, and we're going to see that today. And so we're going to be in John chapter 4, uh, and so this side, open your Bibles, this side, open your app, and, um, <laughs> and, uh, and so uh, John chapter 4, verse 1, we're going to get started now, when Jesus learned that the Pharisees had heard that Jesus was making and baptizing more disciples than John, that's John the Baptist, although Jesus himself did not baptize, but only his disciples, he left Judea and departed again for Galilee. And so for whatever reason, um, Jesus was, did not want to stay in Jerusalem, in Judea, um, when the Pharisees did this. Maybe it just wasn't his time yet um, to have all the attention on him. And so verse 4, and he had to pass through Samaria. So he came to a town of Samaria called Sychar near the field that Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there. So Jesus, wearied as he was from his journey, was sitting beside the well. It was about the sixth hour. So a couple things that we get from this little chunk of scripture is it says that Jesus had to pass through Samaria. Jesus had to pass through Samaria. Well, what we see is that's actually not technically true, that there were three paths that one would go from Judea into Galilee. And so there were three different roads that they could go. And so one of those roads was straight up north through Samaria and through the mountains. Then there was a road that went off to the west and it went up the coast. And then there was a road that went to the east and went on the other side of the Jordan River up and then into Galilee. Hopefully you're seeing that behind me right now. And so uh, Jesus could have gone 
the way that most Jews would go, and that is on the other side of the Jordan, up and back into Galilee. And why, might you ask, would one go that way? Doesn't it look a little bit longer? Well, the main reason is that Jewish people did not like Samaritan people. That the Jews and the Samaritans had a feud, that um, the Jews saw the Samaritan people as unclean, and oftentimes when a Jewish person, especially of Galilee, would go through Samaria, they would be attacked, there would be violence for that person. So this really stems back quick history lesson. Um, you have Israel. Israel was split into two kingdoms. You had the northern kingdom, which would stay Israel, the southern kingdom, which would become Judah. And uh, the northern kingdom was invaded by Assyria. And so Assyria interbred with the Jewish people in the region of Samaria. And so the, um, the full Jews, the, the Jews um, that had not been intermingled with Assyria in their culture, in their um, pagan ways, looked down upon the Jews who had. They looked down upon the Samaritans because they were unclean by the pagan uh, rituals and religions, right? And so Jesus had to go through Samaria. Why? Well, Jesus had a conviction to go through Samaria. There was another route. There was another way that Jesus could have gone, but Jesus had a purpose in Samaria. And then we see that he came to the place of Jacob's well. That is an important historical place for Israel and Samaritans alike. And then it was about the sixth hour, so that would be noon, okay? So it tells us that Jesus was tired from his journey. He had been walking all day. He sat down. It was probably hot, and he took a break. And then we have this encounter, verse 7. A woman from Samaria came to draw water. Jesus said to her, give me a drink. For his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. How many disciples does it take to get lunch? Twelve. The Samaritan woman said to him, How is it that you, a Jew, ask for a drink from me, a woman of Samaria? For Jesus or for Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. So this Samaritan, this woman, not only was she unclean because she was a Samaritan, but she was unclean or looked down upon because she was a woman. So it was so uncustomary for Jesus, a single rabbi Jewish man, to be talking with this woman of Samaria. That if somebody would walk onto this scene, they would think that there was something promiscuous going on. This was not normal, and even the lady realizes it's not normal. She calls him out. She says, who, or who are you, a Jewish man, to talk to me, a Samaritan woman, that Jesus had no business talking with her, and he definitely should not be drinking out of any vessel that she would serve him water in, that he would become unclean from the unclean woman. That's the view that the Jews had, that this was a scandalous encounter, but Jesus had to pass through Samaria for this woman, that this was the purpose that Jesus had, this an encounter with this woman. Let's read verse 10. They have this conversation. And Jesus answered her, Who am I, a Jew, to talk to you, a Samaritan woman? Well, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that is saying to you, Give me a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. And the woman said to him, Sir, you have nothing to draw water with, and the well is deep. Where do you get that living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob? 
He gave us the well and drank from it himself, as did his sons and his livestock. Jesus said to her, Everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks of the water that I will give him will never be thirsty again. The water that I will give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. And the woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so that I will not be thirsty or have to come here to draw water. Our first point, salvation is a free gift. Salvation is a free gift that Jesus offers this woman living water, a spring of eternal life, never to thirst again. And what is the water? He calls it a gift of God. That Jesus offers this water, this gift of God. He offers salvation to this woman who was a Samaritan, who was unclean, who was a woman that he shouldn't have even been talking to, and he offers her this gift. And what is the spring that wells up inside of it, it is the Holy Spirit. That Jesus is offering this woman salvation in the same way that he offers salvation to you and to me. And he says that you will never thirst again. And he says it is the gift of God. What does it say in verse 10? Jesus says that if you knew, if you knew who you were talking to, if you knew what I possess, if you knew the gift I have, then you would what? You would ask. And if you know the gift and you ask for the gift, the gift is yours. Right? Jesus says that if you know the gift and you ask for it, it is yours. You don't have to clean yourself up. You don't have to work your way. As we talked about with religion, you don't have to work your way to God to earn this gift. If it was based on you earning it, it would be called a prize or a reward, not a gift. But a gift is free and Jesus offers this, this salvation as a free gift of grace. She is an unclean Samaritan, corrupted by pagan beliefs. And he doesn't ask her to change. He doesn't ask her to fix anything in her life. But he offers her the living water. Salvation is a free gift. Our second point. What promise comes along with this living water? Well, whoever drinks it will never be thirsty again. Only Jesus can truly satisfy. Only Jesus satisfies the deep longings within our soul. How many times do you go to the wells of this world? Does it quench your thirst? Does it quench your longing? How many times do you have to go back to that well? Only Jesus can satisfy the deepest longings, the deepest voids, and quench the deepest parts of our heart. See, I, I think that every person, every person in this room, every person on this planet has a deep longing within their soul, and they're only purpose in life, their only thing that they live their life doing is to try to find the person, place, or thing to fill that void. That is what we're all searching for. That is all our journey in this life is to fill that void, to fill that longing that we have in our soul. Maybe you want to call it happiness. People are just looking for happiness. People are looking for the well that will quench their thirst for this life. 
And any source other than Jesus is the wrong well. Any well that you can go to to try to get your satisfaction, get your fix, quench your desires, the well is going to end up dry unless that well is Jesus. This woman had been coming to this well every day. She's coming in the heat of day. She is tired. What did she say when Jesus offered her this living water? She said, sir, please give it to me so I do not have to come here anymore. Jesus offers us life. He offers us salvation. He offers us uh, to never thirst again. And what is it that you are saying, please, Jesus, I want that because I'm tired of running to this. I'm tired of running to this and trying to be filled by it and continuing to be thirsty and continuing to long more and more. What is that? I think basic, real basics, we can start with food, right? All right, y'all can raise your hand if you want, but how many people in this room will go into their fridge, open up the door, and look around? Do that thing right there because men can't, like, see here. They got to, like, lean back whenever they look, right? <laughs> And then you close the fridge, and then you go to the pantry, and you open the pantry, and you're like, ah, back to the fridge. Maybe I missed something in there, right? You go, and, and all you're really looking for, like, you're not hungry. You're bored, right? And you're just, you're just looking for something to just, I don't know, I just need, I need chips. And then my wife's like, well, what do you want? Like, can I make you something? I'm like, no. And she's like, well, what about this? I'm like, no. Nah. <laughs> and then I just go end up leaving and then come back in the kitchen 15 minutes later. Um, you're just looking for that quick little, yeah, just, I need something, right? I need, I need a quick fix. And then uh, maybe it's a little bigger. Maybe it's success. Maybe you live um, the rat race and you're, you're trying to find your next promotion and you're trying to buy uh, the next bigger house and you're trying to get your, your toy because now you moved out to the desert and there's, like, things you can do out in the desert besides just die. Uh, you can, like... <laughs> ride ride cars around and uh so maybe you're getting a side by side and and maybe you're just trying to find things and toys and 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 build your stature build your success and you're just looking for that next thing um maybe it's netflix maybe you like you found the bottom of the rabbit hole i don't know maybe some of you some of us go to netflix time and time again just because it's more interesting than our lives, and we just want to escape and find the joy in the story of whatever show we're watching. Maybe it's relationships. Maybe you search for your validation. Maybe you search for your satisfaction in the value that other people give you and bring you. I, I don't know, but I know that all those wells run dry. I know that uh, no matter how much you go back to food, you're going to keep wanting to eat more food. I know that however many cars or houses or the number of commas in your bank account, I know that it's never enough and it never truly satisfies. Jim Carrey actually has a quote where he says, I wish that everybody could be rich and famous to see that being rich and famous doesn't answer what you want. It doesn't give you what you want. I don't know. I don't have the exact quote. Um, but... It's never enough, and there's never enough shows on Netflix, so then you got to go on Facebook and ask people, hey, what's on Disney Plus? What's on Hulu? What's on Paramount? Like, it's never going to satisfy. And then relationships, how many times do you put um, someone, your spouse, your children, a friend, 
and you put them on the pedestal and you look to that person to fill that void within your heart and they can't do that. They were not designed to do that. They were never supposed to do that. And so you think that they are the issue because they're not filling this void in your heart. And so instead of um, continuing to seek that relationship and to grow that relationship, you look for other relationships to fill that void because the issue is this person. But the issue is actually this person was never meant to fill that void that is the size of Jesus. That Jesus is the only one that can fill the satisfaction and desires in our life. Any well other than Jesus will leave you longing. The more of this world that you get, the more of this world that you need. But living water from Jesus will satisfy forever. And so verse 15, the woman said, Sir, give me this water so that I will not have to come here any more. She had had enough. She's tired of being here every day. She's tired of carrying these water jugs back and forth. In verse 16, Jesus said to her, Go, call your husband. This is confusing. She said yes. Jesus offered her the living water. He offered her salvation. He said, here you go. Here's living water. You'll never be thirsty again. You don't have to come back to this well. And she says, give it to me. Jesus, that's what I want. I am tired of coming back to this place. Yes. Sign her up. Baptize her. Like, she's saved. And Jesus says, okay, go get your husband. And come here. And the woman answered him, I have no husband. And Jesus said to her, you are right in saying, I have no husband, for you have had five husbands, and the one you have now is not your husband. What you have said is true. So Jesus confronts this part of her that we can just imagine has a lot of shame attached to it, right? That Jesus um, calls out and says, go get your husband, knowing that she does not have a husband, and that she has had five husbands, and she's now with a man who is not her husband. And so, we don't know why she's had five husbands. It doesn't tell us. Did she have five husbands? Has she been widowed five times? If so, that's a good reason why number six hasn't put a ring on it. <laughs> but it doesn't tell us that. We don't know. Has she been divorced five times? Well, in this culture, divorce was primarily um, the responsibility or the, um, was, was given to the men, right? Women didn't really have the means to divorce their husband. So had she been divorced five times? Have five men thrown her aside and said, I don't want you anymore? Was she damaged goods? Was she unfaithful in those marriages? which led to the divorces. We don't know. We know that she's living with a man now and he is not her husband. And we know that Jesus talked about it. Jesus brought it up. So we can imagine that maybe she was promiscuous. We can imagine that she was damaged goods and thrown aside. We don't know. But what we do know is that she is at the well at noon. She's at this well in the heat of the day, and, and that's not normal. You see, going to the well to get water was something you did early in the morning when it was cool, or you did late in the evening when it was cool. 
But this woman came by herself at noon. And so um, still to this day, if you go to other countries, women will go together to get the water. And it, it is this social event. It is a communal event. The women will walk together, going to the well to get the water. Um, they will fill up their water on the way home. They'll stop at Target and Starbucks, maybe Hobby Lobby. And maybe that's just my woman. Um, and, and, uh, and so this woman did not go with all the other women in the morning. This one went at noon, when I imagine she was hoping that nobody else was at the well. And so, for whatever reason, this woman didn't want to be seen with the other women, or by the other women. This woman, we can imagine, had shame attached to her story and attached to her situation. And so... We don't know the specifics of this woman's story, but we know that Jesus brought it up, that Jesus thought it was important enough to bring up with her. Why? Why would he press into this issue? She already had given him her yes. Could it be because Jesus wanted to press into the deepest wound in her life? He didn't shy away from it. He wasn't embarrassed by it. He is sitting at the well with this woman who is a Samaritan woman, and that's not enough. He's sitting with this woman who has a past like this woman has, and he brought it up. Why? Well, point number three, Jesus knows our deepest wounds. Each one of us has wounds, has scars that have shaped the way that we live our life. It has shaped the way that we relate to other people. It has shaped the way that we relate to God. What's the difference between a wound and a scar? A wound still hurts. Right? And so we all have wounds that we are protecting. And this woman has this wound, and Jesus just points it out and talks about it. And maybe these wounds were caused by your sin, and maybe you have regret and you have shame based on decisions that you've made, but maybe your wounds were caused by other people's sin, and they have affected you deeply, and you are hurt, and so you can't fully trust other people, and you can't fully trust God because you are still hurting. But maybe these wounds lead us to the wells of this world. Maybe these wounds lead us to chase after this world to fix and to heal and to patch up these areas of our life that are messed up. Jesus sees the place in this woman's life that she has the most shame, that is the deepest wound that she doesn't want anyone to see. He doesn't condemn her and he doesn't scold her, but he meets her in that place. He meets her in her mess. He sees her wound and he doesn't condemn her, but he offers her living water. In the same place that he calls out her wound, he is offering her living water that Jesus sees her mess. He sees my mess. He sees your mess. And thank God that he meets us at that place, that he offers us living water in that place. So Jesus touches on this sensitive place in this woman's life touches on this wound that she is trying to hide and protect. And what does she do? Verse 19, the woman said to him, Sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. 
our fathers worshiped on this mountain, but you say that in Jerusalem is the place where people ought to worship. So she kind of changes the subject, doesn't she? She does it with a theological question. But in kindness, Jesus doesn't harp and hammer down on the issue that they were just talking about, but he answers her question. Jesus said to her, woman, believe me, the hour is coming when neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem will you worship the Father. You worship what you do not know. We worship what we know, for salvation is from the Jews. But the hour is coming and is now here when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For the Father is seeking such people. The Father is seeking such people to worship him. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. Jesus says that temple or that temple, it doesn't really matter because Jesus is the new temple, that God is spirit. And so we worship in spirit because Jesus is the new temple and Jesus gives us and offers us the Holy Spirit. So we don't have to travel to Jerusalem every year, right? We don't have to make that trek in our life to go to Jerusalem because we don't have to travel to that temple because the temple is living within us through the Holy Spirit, that Jesus is the new temple, so we worship in spirit and truth. In verse 25, the woman said to him, I know that Messiah is coming. He who is called Christ, when he comes, he will tell us all things. And Jesus said to her, I who speak to you am he. So she asks this question. She distracts from the conversation. She changes the subject. Well, what about this temple or this temple? And Jesus answers the question. She's like, well, okay, well, I don't know. Well, one day the Messiah will show up. He'll tell us. Like, she's, I don't know if she's blowing him off. I don't know if she's kind of being sarcastic or what at this point. She says, one day the Messiah will show up and he'll tell us. And Jesus says, he who speaks to you. I who speak to you am he. I am the Messiah. That the woman, the woman was looking at the Messiah the whole time. That the one that she was looking forward to, she was looking at. And that in this moment, this unclean Samaritan woman with a past full of shame and guilt and regret is now standing face to face with the Savior of the world. She's standing face to face with the perfect Son of God. Jesus meets us where we are. Our fourth point, Jesus meets us where we are. It doesn't make sense. It should blow our minds. That, remember verse 4, what did it say? That Jesus had to go through Samaria. Jesus had to go through Samaria, even though there were other options. Even though the normal Jewish rabbi would go this route, Jesus went straight through Samaria, and he had to. Why? He had to go through Samaria because of this woman. This conversation is the reason that he had to go through Samaria. This woman who was seemingly unimportant and rejected by society, so much so that she didn't want to go to the well during the morning when everybody else was there. She wanted to avoid people. She didn't want to be seen by others. She didn't want to be judged. She knew that people saw her and thought a certain thing about her, so much so that she would hide herself and live in shame and live in loneliness that woman was important to Jesus. 
That woman was important enough to Jesus that he had to go through Samaria. Thank God that he pursued her. Thank God that he pursues us. Church, the Messiah, the Savior of the world, knows your deepest, darkest wound that you don't want anyone else to know about. He knows that area of your soul that you hide and you never actually open up to people. You never actually open up to God because you want to hide that deep, dark, nasty, messy part of your life. The Messiah knows that, and he pursues that. He pursues you. When we were in our sin, God reached down and saved us. While we were yet still sinners, Christ died for us. Before we ever thought to pursue him, he pursued us. Jesus is pursuing you now, in this moment. The Messiah, Jesus, meets us where we are. Church, that's incredible. It's incredible that we have in this room a bunch of unclean, Samaritan, dirty, half-breed, nasty, gross, embarrassing past people, and guess what? Embarrassing present. That we are nasty and disgusting, and if people really knew who we were, they would reject us, and they would judge us, and they would say, I don't want to associate with that person because X, Y, and Z. This room is full of those type of people. So because of that, we hide, and we don't truly ever open up, and we come to church, and maybe we get a good worship song in, and maybe we leave feeling good, and maybe we even say a couple prayers, and we know that Jesus loves us, and he died for us. But do we ever truly lay that wound down at the foot of Jesus? Because Jesus did not shy away from that wound with this woman. He's not shying away from it with you. The Messiah meets you in your mess. It's the unfathomable truth of our God that God stepped into our mess in the person of Jesus. It's unlike any other religion, unlike any other God. So let's finish this story of the Samaritan woman at the well. Verse 27, just then this, his disciples came back. They marveled that he was talking with a woman, but no one said, what do you seek or why are you talking with her? So the woman left the water, left her water jar and went away into town and said to the people, come see a man who told me everything that I ever did. Can this be the Christ? They went out from the town and were coming to him. Skip ahead to verse 39. Many Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. He told me all that I ever did. So when the Samaritans came to him, they asked him to stay with them, and he stayed there two days, and many more believed because of his word. They said to the woman, it is no longer because of what you said that we believe, for we have heard ourselves, and we know that this is indeed the Savior of the world. This woman, 
was so impacted by her encounter with Jesus that she ran into the town and told everybody. The same woman who would go to the well in the middle of the day because she knew that nobody was going to be there is now running to the people to tell them about Jesus. And you know, I think that's an example. Obviously, that's an example of what we should do whenever we encounter Jesus. So take note of that, but I want to end with Jesus and not this woman. Jesus made the point to reveal himself as Messiah for the first time that we know of in the scripture. And who did he reveal it to? This Samaritan unclean woman. That shows that our God is a God of all the peoples. He's the savior of the entire world. Gentile and Jew, saint and sinner, you and me, he saved all of us. And so whatever your wound is that you're ashamed of, whatever you're trying to hide, guys, I would just ask you to bring it to the Lord now because Jesus knows it. Jesus knows that it happened. He doesn't ignore it. He doesn't look over it. He looks at it and he says, he wants to meet you in that place and he wants to offer you living water. Water that will never run dry. It will always satisfy your souls. Let's pray. Jesus, I pray that right now, God, somebody in this room who relates to this woman who feels unclean, unlovable, broken, but they would realize that right now, Jesus, you are here in this place and you are speaking to them that you want a relationship with them just as you did this woman. Lord, I pray that the person who is feeling that call, that pull of, of your spirit, that they would trust in you, that they would lay down that wound, that they would stop hiding it from you, that they would stop believing the excuse that they are too bad or they are too far gone or their mistakes are too great for your grace, God. And if that is you in this room, I pray that you right now would receive the grace of Jesus, the free gift of God. And if you do that, come talk to us after the service. Write it on your Connect card. Just mark that you are trusting Jesus, that you are believing for the first time in his salvation, that you are receiving the living water. We want to meet with you and talk with you and walk with you through what that means. And for the rest of us in this room, maybe you know that Jesus has died for you. Maybe you've trusted that, maybe you believe that, but maybe you sometimes hold on to the wounds that Jesus wants you to get rid of. He wants you to open them up. He wants you to stop hiding them, stop being ashamed and living in isolation. Lord, I pray right now that your grace would be so real to us we would realize there is no condemnation.
For God so loved the world that he sent his one and only son that whoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. Jesus did not come into the world to condemn the world but to save the world. So Jesus, whatever wound we are holding on to, I pray that right now we would lay it at your feet. Pray that we would accept your grace your mercy, we would realize that the Savior of the world meets us in our mess. Jesus, we thank you. We thank you so much for how good you are. We pray all these things in your name. Amen.